Today, I've got two of the oldest and wisest Football Index heads on the show. I've got Football Index RC, who, you know, I've seen as kind of a mentor since I started Football Index. When I properly started trading in June 2016, he was the first account I traded, and he's taught me almost everything I know. And the other one is DNA, and I'll let them introduce themselves. So go on, RC, give us your Twitter handle for those listening on the iPhone podcast or iTunes podcast. And, you know, tell us when you started, how you've got on throughout your year or two of trading. Okay. Um, Yes, my Twitter handle is FootballIndexRC. Thanks for the introduction. It's very kind of you to say all of that. yeah, so I started back in October 2015. Um, I think I was probably like the 500th or so sign up. Um, yeah, so I started really early on. Um, made quite a lot of profit from that, which was quite nice. Um, and then I've kind of adapted my strategy as I've gone along. I started off as a bit of a buzzman. Kind of all I had really was like 1,000 shares in Neymar. Um, it's a pre-share split. And I just used to go to uni. And sometimes I'd pick up a £50 buzz win from Neymar. Um, and I didn't really do a lot else for the index. And then as I kind of got more experience with it, I kind of then started trading a bit more um, and making my money through kind of buying low and then selling high, which is kind of what I still do now. Nice, nice. And what about you, DNA? Tell us a bit about it yourself. Okay, so I also started in 2015 in October. I think day two of Football Index actually started. Day two? Day two. Wow. Um, sort of... <laughs> saw a pre-registration link on Facebook before and then kept an eye on it and then when it came live joined up um, put my initial deposit in straight away um, bought the usuals Messi, Ronaldo, Rooney um, all the big names that you thought were going to do stuff but obviously didn't really understand how the index worked at the time just went for the big names and they didn't move a lot because they were a lot more expensive compared to a lot of the other players but um it was it was interesting. I love football. Um, I've got pretty good knowledge from day, quite a number of years watching football. Um, it's it's something that you can invest in, knowing that you've got a, no, a lot of knowledge. So it was good for me. But the way I sort of went about it, again, I think I went for the, the dividends, which at the time was um, 20 pence per share you owned, which is obviously quite appealing. And... Throughout time, built up my sort of um, portfolio and went from there. I'm still go for the buzz, but I've sort of um, adapted to short-term trading as well. So I've got a good, good mix of both strategies now. Good to hear, good to hear. Um, so who was who was your first purchase, both of you? Go on, DNA, tell us who you first bought on Football Index. Because I think I've said it a few times, mine was Joel Campbell and he's he's obviously no longer around on the index mine was Ronaldo ah much better than Joel Campbell then what about yourself RC um mine was Deli Ali actually I think I, I picked him up um I went to a Tottenham game um and I saw him kind of in the warm-up and I decided to pick up a few futures based on that he didn't actually come on and play he was just on the bench um I picked up a few futures but I ended up you know selling them probably three or four pence up a couple of days later um yeah he was my first purchase Fair enough. I remember just thinking about this randomly, actually. I had a friend who went on a year abroad after our second year of uni. So 
summer of last year. He's he went on a year abroad and sold his whole portfolio. I think he had like four hundred Lukaku at ninety nine p, and he he decided to sharp shop and just sell everyone as he went abroad. I guess he yeah. just thought it was too risky, but. I think I had a look at people that he had before and if he'd kept everyone, he would have been about two, three thousand pounds up at least. And that's not even uh, taking into account all the buzz that he would have won along the way. So crazy how we've come so far really on the index. So that kind of leads on to my next question for you boys. So you, you both mentioned that you started just basically sitting on players and, uh, you know, taking the dividends, which at the time were 20p. When the share split came in, did you guys have to adapt to that at all? Or did you just basically, you know, deposit more plough and some players and, and sit on those shares again? Uh, I think for me, the biggest change was with instant sell because that kind of allowed me to exit my positions when I wanted to rather than mm. then being dependent on another another trader to allow me to change my position. Um so that for me was kind of when I started to trade in and out of players a lot more frequently. Um, yeah. For for me, it was um, I quickly realised that um, the index was not only growing, but it's going to grow massively in the in the long run. Um, from an early point, that I just went about um, building my portfolio and just accumulating. So when the share split happened, obviously I took that opportunity to buy more shares um, per player. And I'm one of those people that hated selling because I hated giving commission to Football <laughs> Index. Absolutely hated it. And my mentality was, if the player's price is going to go up, I'd rather have it a long-term thing, um, making money through growth rather than short-term trading. So at that point, yes, um, just topped up and bought more. Mm. I mean, it, it was much harder to buy and sell before instant sell came, for sure. I mean, I think a lot of the big traders got a phone call from Adam Cole, the CEO, actually. I think he probably called people who had joined really early and who, who had substantial portfolios just to get their viewpoints on things as like really experienced, quite high-volume traders. And I, I think I remember him calling me, and at this point I didn't really have a very large portfolio. I think it was like five to £6,000. This was in oh, it might have even been like potentially like february 2017 or march 2017 maybe i'm not too sure but um he told me that their trade volume like tripled once they actually implemented the kind of betfair exchange style instant sell feature where you could just sell instantly back to football index and it i think it's just gone from strength to strength from there really because it was becoming slightly stale without that feature. I remember I actually I accidentally sold or instant sold a Douglas Costa for like eleven p once. Because for those of you who don't know, before they implemented the kind of Betfair Exchange style feature, you basically clicked instant sell, and then Football Index offered you a price, and they could offer you any price they wanted below the actual buy price. Basically, I think. I think uh, Douglas Soster, sorry, he was about uh, 40, 50, 60 pence at the time and they offered me 11 pence and I didn't really even look at the, the price stupidly. I remember selling one for 11 pence. That was, <laughs> that was horrible, horrible time. I think um, um, Texera, that Alex Texera 
um, he was linked to Liverpool, wasn't he? And then um, he ended up going to China, but he had a massive price spike based on, based on that Liverpool move. And um, a lot of traders brought into that. And then kind of when he went to China, they were then stuck with him um, mm. before instant sale. Um, because obviously no one was buying these futures when they listed them to market. So that's kind of one one example where instant sale can kind of dig you out of a hole if you something happens and you're not expecting it to happen with a player, like a transfer or whatever else. Yeah, I, I remember that being like a pretty much nailed on move really to Liverpool. Everyone was talking about it. I think everyone was talking about it being, being basically done and then he suddenly probably got a big money offer from China. Yeah can't blame him taking like what three four hundred grand a week or whatever yes. <laughs> um but so what about um you know when they doubled the dividends over summer well they planned to do it as like a short-term thing oh yeah doubled the dividends was it tripled overall they made it tiered and tripled didn't they yeah yeah um so what was how did that influence your trading did you find it easier to to buy and sell or did that kind of you know prompt you to to buy a few more of those buzz magnets who were maybe at the lower you know price lower end of the price scale and just hold and wait for some tasty eight peas <laughs> do you want to go ahead news or yeah um well summertime when the triple media came in it was um banging transfer window season wasn't it um, that was crazy and it was more about jumping in on the players early as soon as a newspaper article came out um half 10 half 11 onwards even at one o'clock in the morning at times it was a case of jumping on that player and waiting for people to wake up in the morning the next day to see that news to see the spike um it was crazy days the transfer window was but it was and you know without doubt there was a lot of money to be made in that window and a lot of people made it. Yeah, for sure. I think um, one of the biggest factors in that is when they kind of did the 8p, the 5p and the 2p, is that it kind of allowed you to sit on players that perhaps weren't going to be the main news story of that day, but they might be up there because Coutinho over summer, I think he only actually topped it and won the 8p three or four times, but he won the 5p and the 2p, especially the 5p, pretty much most days of the week um, and obviously before that tier to come in he wouldn't have actually returned barely anything yeah I remember kind of a similar thing with Matic as well actually he obviously won a few 8Ps going from Chelsea to United but he also I thought there was going to be a mass sell-off after the move went through but he actually did place quite a few times as well be interesting to see how how much he returned actually but I mean during the summer yeah it was it was pretty crazy, wasn't it? There was so much volatility. I've never seen, I've never seen people experience FOMO or fear of missing out like that before. And I've also, you know, I kind of quickly realised how much bullshit there is in in journalism and how much. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, like it, it astounded me that they kind of get away with it. I I just don't understand how. They, so many of them can be so wrong because I'd, I'd love to see a stat per, you know, what percentage of rumours actually come to fruition because, you know, there's no smoke without fire. They must get it from somewhere. Surely they can't make it up mm. out of thin air. But it's, it's like Perisic, it, isn't it? Kind of how uh, 
I mean, the whole summer he was moving to Man United one day and the next day he wasn't. And that just repeated all summer. And you could, I mean, you could pick him up daily from £1.80, sell him at £2.20 and just repeat the process day after day. Yeah, he was he was one that I regularly bought and sold. And I, I mean, I think a couple of times I tried to hold him at the beginning, thinking, oh, like, this, this looks like it's going to go through, lots of buzz, he'll, you know, he'll hit £3. I think... RC, you often talked about Bernardo Silva's peak and how Perisic would probably eclipse that. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that, you know, that makes sense. Why wouldn't I hold for now and then kind of get out at the peak when people are buying, at, you know, his highest. But it, I think I quickly learned <laughs> it just wasn't going to be that simple and that I had to exit those uh, positions, sorry, as quickly as I could and make as much profit as I can and kind of not look back because his graph during the summer was just disgusting. I mean, yeah. there was a few of them, wasn't there? I mean, you have Bellotti. Yeah. Um, oh, Reno, didn't yeah. you? And Maratta was kind of up yeah. and down daily. Yeah. Lamar as well. That was a big one. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, even, even Lacazette at one point, I think was fluctuating quite a bit, but then he had his massive spike when he moved to Arsenal. Um, but there were so many that you could kind of pick up at the low end and then, you know, so I think there was, one point where you could just buy like every single central midfielder who could potentially move to United, buy them and then sell them and then buy them again. I think it was like Nine Galan, Renato Sanchez, Matic, and, and a couple other Eric Dyer as well that were just all linked yeah. to United. And you could just buy and sell those consistently during the summer, which was, you know, quite good fun if you got it right, but not very, not very fun if you were in the receiving end of a spanking yeah I think Morata was kind of the new users and sorry Morata was definitely not fun when he dropped from £5 down to £1.80 <laughs> yeah. £5.50 yeah. and he got to £1.30 didn't he when he was supposedly in the land which was mm-hmm. yeah I, I watched him because at that point I'd completely de-risked um, my portfolio um, where <coughs> all of my portfolio was 100% profit Okay. But um, to watch him go down um, because apparently he wasn't going to um, United because of Lukaku, um, I just let it happen. I just watched it, watched it, watched it, kept dropping, kept dropping. And then when it sort of bottomed out about £1.80, um, I bought more, which was um, the right thing to do in hindsight. By the time, I just refused to believe that he wasn't going to come to the Prem. And then I got more and more belief that he was going to come to Chelsea. Because of his links with um, Conte, mm. it just went in a bit more heavier, and obviously brought my average down and stuff. But um, it's still quite risky at the time. Um, it's probably my riskiest trade I've done since I've been on here, really. Yeah, yeah, very, very brave. So, buy when people are scared and sell when they're greedy. So, quite so, you put your balls on the line there, DNA. At that <laughs> point, but it, it, you it know, was, paid off yeah, quite happily. It did pay off a lot <clears throat> at the time, but just. You know, the sensible thing would have been to get out with everybody else, but yeah. just, um, I think it helped the fact that I was playing with profit and nothing else, not any of my own money. And, it, you know, I was I went with my beliefs rather than what was in the papers and stuff. And yeah. whether it was a right or wrong call, like um, it's sometimes when it comes to football index, you need to sort of have the confidence to do the right to do and follow your own instincts and not follow mm-hmm. the crowd. Yeah, I think you have to be very decisive as well because what what could have happened there if you ended up selling kind of 
as he was on his way down heavily, like proper bombing, and then didn't buy back, you would have you would have felt absolutely terrible when he, you know, went to Chelsea and went to four pound plus. I think I bought and sold Morata quite a few times. I think I probably made quite a bit of money on him. I think I maybe had in total of his trades, I had one that lost me about two hundred pounds and one that lost me about ninety odd. But overall I I bought and sold him so many times that he he was well in profit for me overall as a player. But I think I bought I bought a few hundred on the news that was going to Chelsea from from news in Italy from Gianluca Di Marzio, who's a very respectable source. And I think I I made like a pound per future, so I made about three hundred pounds just on on that kind of move. But um, yeah, he was he was one that experienced like ridiculous volatility. But um, away from the past now, let's move on to you know the present and the hot topic or flavor of the month now is IPOs. The the you know emerging squad players or uh, ability to buy the squad players. I can't lie; it's gone a lot smoother than I anticipated. <laughs> what, what what do you boys think? What do you think, Cassie? I think it's I've I had a bit of a panic moment one night in bed. I was just like, oh, you know, ICOs or IPOs, sorry, start tomorrow. How how is the index going to react? And it just kind of I haven't even really noticed it properly anymore. I kind of think we had our reactionary period to it almost a month before, didn't we? When football index were almost forced into that kind of an announcement to quiet everything down, we had that you know really bad crash that night, didn't we? A lot of big players dropped off in value. Um, I think that was almost like the reaction to it, and then everyone was almost waiting for it in effect. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I was kind of I was expecting some more kind of big drops than what we've actually seen so far. What about yourself, DNA? For me, I think the, the the shift from the phrase penny stocks to squad IPOs, um, we were all led to believe that initially they were going to come out available for pennies, literally, for the squad players. And then when we saw the prices being re- revealed for the initial batch of 250 players, um, it was quite shocking. £3 players, Milner at £2.30-odd. Um, <laughs> It, it was um, shocking at first, but then quickly real, realisation set in and realised that they're not going to be cheap. Um, people are not going to pile in, sell the existing portfolio to buy, jump on all these players. Mm. And, you know, the evidence from what it, what we've seen so far looks like, yeah, our existing portfolios have been protected with that strategy from Football Index. Um, and it's it's in a way, the way they've released the players randomly, um, like your, you know, don't like it. It's, you know, everyone's fairly happy in the fact that, you know, we haven't seen another crash. Mm, for sure. I think I did a, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I think I did a poll and only two or three out of 160 people had lost money during the first three days. So that's obviously very positive. I think a lot of people are under the, impression that players can't drop under their ipo price and i just want to take a little moment to kind of urge some caution and those players that have ipo'd at ipo'd at a certain price if there's absolutely no demand for them football index as a market maker will find a way i don't know what it is to 
somehow increase the demand for that player and the way they will do that is by reducing the price and i don't know how they're going to do it there's been many i, I did see actually an uh, interesting suggestion mm -hmm. where football index do a share split on all the ipl players mm -hmm. but players. then again like who's who's going to buy james milner at one pound 15 well if, uh, well, <laughs> maybe at 60 pence or whatever devil like <laughs> <laughs> It, it's sort of what it does is because at the moment um, we had a sort of commitment that the top 200 media players would be um, only eligible to win the media buzz. Um, and now we've seen, you know, a lot of squad players flooding that mm. top 200 list. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, if if we don't remove these players where there's no interest in stuff, um, it's going to obviously have an impact on traditional media players, which... For the holders, um, great news, but not great for people that want to speculate for growth and future wins. Mm. Um, a lot of players around the 60 to 8p mark are nowhere going to win media now. Yeah. People like Fellaini, um, yeah. Cahill, yeah. Um, some players that you know used to win the odd buzz and there's no way they're going to win it now. So mm. I, I hope there is some sort of strategy that will be revealed once all, all the squad players have been released that they're sort of Come down in price somehow. Mm. Yeah. I couldn't believe James Milner's price. I was just, I was, it was diabolical, really. Two pound thirty to, to buy a man who, is thirty odd years of age, doesn't actually play much for Liverpool these days, isn't on penalties anymore, and isn't starting. Is not in the England squad anymore. It's just horrible to see. You, no one wants to see that. You only got a thousand, didn't you? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was in for a cool thousand. <laughs> but no it'll be really interesting to see how football index handle that because something needs to be done but i think their their priority right now is getting all those squad players actually on the index and then they'll probably give it a few weeks to settle see what the demand's like and you know have a look at what players need to be adjusted and then formulate some sort of strategy which is going to allow them to do that without being too cheeky, should I say. Yeah, I think Neil's made quite a good point because, you know, come January, if I see a player in, you know, La Liga or something that's linked with a Prem move and they're priced at 60, 70p, you know, am I going to buy them if they need to get to £1.50 to be eligible for media buzz dividends? I'm probably not going to. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens in January, actually. I'm quite quite interested to see how if people are still going to react to transfer news like they did over the summer or are they going to pay attention more to those players in the £1 to £1.50 category that could actually push into the top 200 because I think what you could see is if they're on kind of the boundary and a lot of people buy then when they actually enter the top 200 you could see like another spike because they're now eligible for media buzz and if they were on the buzz charts the next day then you could see another spike so could just increase volatility in a weird way but i agree i think those lower players unless those links are really strong if they're just really random ones that maybe won't come to fruition then i don't think we'll see that many buys or certainly not as many as we did over the summer when you saw bloody um i mean like gelson martin's Link the Prem, and he was like 45p, and you could buy a few and then sell at 65p. I don't think we'll experience that kind of spike 
yeah. when that kind of happens, unless it's actually going to happen. Yeah. But um, so both both of you boys have a nine to five. How have you? How did you react to the news that the IPOs would come in at what random times? Really, at any any times? I thought personally that it was the only fair way that they could do it, and that you can't really complain about it because it it just it's the only way it could have suited everyone, really, in my opinion. What's your opinion there, RC? Yeah, I agree because I think promotions got to this stage where it's just kind of like a select few that were profiting week after week. So I think the IPOs being almost random um, and available for everyone makes it fair. Um, means that more people are going to be having a positive experience on Football Index, which is only really good for all of us in the long run. So yeah, I agree with that. I think it's a positive move. What about yourself, DNA? Um, it's one of the fairer ways of doing it, without doubt. Um, I remember when performance um, dividends was first released and people were going nuts on buying goalkeepers, they're buying defenders, they're buying everybody. Um, there's an argument to say that, you know, 50 a day should be released at the same time, maybe. Um, people just pick up when they can at a given point. But I don't think Football Index could win with whatever they choose to do. There's always yeah, going to be people... Um, happy with the suggestion and there's always going to be people that um always going to be against it. So, as I say, it is, it is one of the fairest, fairest ways of doing it, but without doubt, it's quite a difficult way if, you, if you're if you looking for, a, you know, one out of the 50 um, and you really want to buy him. <laughs> it's really difficult to jump on because you just haven't got a clue when he's going to come on there. And then you risk, obviously, if a player is like valued at 60p and IPL, you potentially might end up paying one fifty for him, and then is it worth buying at that point? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I agree totally with that. I think there's an argument to be made whether they could do five at a time, fifty at a time, whatever. But I totally agree that they were in a kind of lose lose situation where whatever they did, someone was going to be unhappy. But I think as we go on, we're going to see less dramatic increases in these IPO players and two reasons first of all i think rc mentioned that there was kind of a market adjustment to penny stocks and double performance buzz dividends before we actually started them i think we wouldn't be seeing a, a nine pound messy if it wasn't double pb and similar to similarly to a lot of those players like dabala and Signe and all those central midfielders and all those defenders that rose when it was announced and also you know, as the IPOs go on, people will have bought and bought more of these IPOs and they'll have less money to spend, basically. So first point, more money is tied up in those big players due to the double PB announcement. And second of all, people are going to be buying more and more IPOs and unless people consistently deposit, which I think is impossible. I think, you know, payday at the end of the month, we'll see some an influx maybe of some more cash but apart from that i think we'll start to see less dramatic rises or alternatively we'll see rises in only those players who are you know really really tasty and maybe some of those who are pretty useless just won't see a spike like we've been seeing so far yeah well this is one thing that we're sort of missing um is that fact that you know um dividend payments used to be 5p mm. um, for one player and now we're in a sort of 
scenario where multiple players are winning and quite a lot potentially you can you could walk away with like at least twenty five p a day um on the triple days and stuff um that's that's quite a lot when you think about the majority of people do actually reinvest their dividend wins um there's i i see i still see a bright future for football index um but I do take on your point that you know people don't have endless money yeah. sitting there waiting to deposit all the time but purely because of the dividend payments increasing then that should still help um, the growth of the index. Mm, agreed. I think it's quite good to see that we're they're still averaging, you know, 1,000 new sign-ups a week, aren't they? So mm. kind of, you know, and if you think about what kind of marketing they're doing so far, they're not doing a whole lot. So, you know, if they were to go out and do a big marketing campaign, would we see a big boost in users and bits and pieces you'd hope we would, I guess? Yeah, for sure. I think um, after all these IPOs happen, I think we'll probably logically see a big marketing push where you can't buy 200 players anymore you can buy over 4,000 so I think that's the way they'll kind of spin it and hopefully as a market maker try and adjust those try and adjust some of those prices a little bit and make it you know a little bit more accessible for new users with smaller budgets who don't have the experience that us three have or many other big traders have themselves so have you boys have you boys like gotten to many ICOs I mean IPOs you don't really you don't have to name the players but just interesting to see if experienced player uh, traders sorry have actually bought that many of them or have you used drops in existing players to you know build a bit a larger position in them I've bought a few um some of the big ones, Otamendi, um, Kubelai. Um, yeah, I've bought a few. <laughs> um, my portfolio of players is bigger than it's ever been, to be honest. Um, and they're all in profit, luckily. Um, the only di- difficulty that I'm sort of had at the moment is trying to understand exactly uh, where my players are increasing because my list is so big now. <laughs> got to use control well, it, f it's like a good a... Uh, it's a good problem to have when you when he's <laughs> up obviously but, yeah. um, it's you know it's still early days yeah um i think you know we need traders to sort of be sensible with regards to players because admittedly some of the players prices they're quite high compared mm-hmm. to um to the previous 200 where we had some good uh, players um <laughs> Defenders potentially in around the one pound price bracket, and some of these new ones coming on board, like the 130, 150, 170. And there are there are stats out there, but we haven't actually seen them in action yet. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I think we'll have some sort of adjustment at some point where some of the existing prices come down or some of the IPOs go up and kind of meet in the middle. It'll be really interesting to see, really. What what are your thoughts are see in general? Um, well, the only IPR I've actually got involved with so far is uh, Felipe Luis. Um, <laughs> 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 he came in at sixty p and he quickly left at sixty six p. So um, it's a nice deal, deal there. Yeah, yeah, little mill deal. Um, the rest of them, the rest of them, I've missed basically through work. Um, I'm not allowed to log on at work, so I don't really have much access kind of nine till five. Um, and then you be prepared to sit there and look at the screen. You kind of, yeah, wait, you, know, you fly on. Chance kind of thing. 
wait for that absolute panic that you know gets your heart racing and your palms sweating when <laughs> when an IPO comes in. But um, moving on from IPOs, even though it's you know the hot topic of the month, just wanted to quickly talk about the amount of kind of football index Twitter accounts that have that are basically there now, and how what what your boys' opinions really are of people creating index accounts on Twitter when they first start trading. Because the way I kind of see it is if you use the Football Index name or brand, you kind of have a responsibility to an extent to not represent the company, but if you do do some shady things or if you do you know, tip a few players that absolutely tank afterwards, then you're to an extent tarnishing the Football Index name because it's in your Twitter handle. The way I look at it, I think that if you start trading on Football Index and you've gained some experience, you've gained some insights into how it works and how to make profit to an extent, then by all means, create a Football Index Twitter account and help new users and help the community grow. But I think I've seen a few who have started it parallel to their trading and more often than not, it goes sideways. Fair play to those who have actually started their accounts with like whilst they've started trading and they're still on here and they still add some valuable insights into the Twitter community. But I've seen a few that are simply diabolical, to be honest. What are your boys' opinions on those? For me, um, I think the Twitter community is great for Football Index. Um, mm. The amount of information you can gain from there um, it's immense for new for new users and experienced users alike. Just um, I think the key thing is it's like read everything, but it's yeah. it's always going to be down to yourself to make the right judgment call. Um, mm. Whether you agree with somebody's points or whether you disagree with them. That's that's done to yourself and nobody else. Um, mm. As I say, you can follow sheep or you can make your own trades and make your own judgments. But information, knowledge is always good at the end of the day. Um, opinions is always good. But you've got to follow your own instincts at the end of the day. So, yeah, agreed. Um, I don't like people, you know, um, purposely sending out wrong messages. Mm. Um, some are negative towards football index, some are positive towards football index. It's just um overall, you know, it's 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 a good thing that we have on Twitter, I think. It's quite powerful that so many people have embraced football index and mm-hmm. share their opinions, but overall, um, yeah, it's gonna be down to the individual to make their own call. Yeah. I'd I'd really enjoy the Twitter community, I think. I mean, I'm I'm talking about a very small minority i think 95 percent of it is is great and i always say to anyone who's starting football index you need twitter like it, it's so key in terms of getting information very quickly either from the football index twitter account or from journalists etc i think if you don't have it it's a detriment to yourself and you you're putting yourself at a disadvantage before you even start trading and I think it's it's pretty key. What are your thoughts, RC, on those on those uh, few bullet points that we've just talked about? Yeah, I, I kind of echo what you guys have said in terms of you know everyone's entitled to their own opinion uh, in relation to the trade, and there's so many different strategies and ways to make money on football index that you know there's not only one way to do it, and not only one opinion that's right. Um, you know, there are a few accounts and stuff that try and 
push their opinion and their agenda a little bit too much potentially um but like neil said you are in control of your buy and sell button yourself so if you kind of choose to do that then it's up to you i guess um yeah there are there are a few shady accounts out there that kind of you know purely put tips out for their own kind of personal gain i always look at it that if i'm going to put a tip out i have to be happy say the player's one pound i have to be happy that i would buy them up to one pound ten if mm. i'm going to put that tip out otherwise i just i wouldn't do it yeah agreed i think um yeah i echo most of what you said there as well it it's a very kind of sensitive area isn't it um people don't like being wrong and people don't like their opinions being contradicted but it it happens in like so many different twitter communities as well and as it grows i think it will you, you'll just see more of it really i think if you look at like fancy football communities and twitters it happens all the time i think if you look at like uh cryptocurrencies people have like very stout opinions about certain certain uh things like that same same with like stocks and certain companies people's evaluations of those and or you know even generally in economics and politics like people have opinions and you're not going to agree with all of them it's just kind of how the world works it's what's make us it what makes us human isn't it having uh having different points of view um otherwise we'd be a boring old bunch wouldn't we yeah for sure but yeah no i think um I think what I would say to new users, if you are going on Twitter, I'd follow, first of all, I'd probably follow the the larger Twitter accounts that have been on there for, for a substantial amount of time. So like DNA and RC, for example. Um, and then afterwards, I'd kind of follow a few and maybe just track them for like two or three weeks. I know that a lot of people who like bet regularly, like in an orthodox manner, they will, you know, follow a betting tips account and then like track their, wins and losses for the next two or three weeks and then decide whether or not they want to follow them with their actual money and you can do a similar thing on football index like you can just basically follow these accounts see what kind of insights they're offering for two or three weeks and then if you're like yeah this guy actually knows what he's talking about he's actually predicted a few rises he's been right about a few falls then you can you know maybe put your money where his mouth is um but what I would also stress is that you can't always be right. To, to profit on Football Index, you basically just need more winners than losers to an extent. And you're never going to get every trade 100% spot on. Me, RC and DNA have not won every trade. If we had, we'd probably be sitting somewhere in Hawaii. Um, <laughs> with Adam Cole. Yeah, with Adam Cole and all our money. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, so that that's something I'd like to stress. Is there anything uh, else you two boys want to talk about while we're still on air? Uh, not that I can think of. Okay. What about yourself, DNA? Anything to add I think to this uh, riveting conversation? The tip-wise, I think it's just um, patience is a big thing in Football Index. Mm. Um. When it comes to betting, obviously you lose your bet, you lose your money. Yeah. Um, in football index, if a player price drops below to what you bought him at, um, there's always that chance he's going to go back above that price. Um, however, it's there's a fine line when you need to take the hit on a player that's dropped value um, yeah. just to release funds. So 
patience is quite important, but I think the key thing is just to have belief in your own ability and your own knowledge about um, football in general. But at the same time, you know, stick to your guns where you can. And as I say, just make the right call when it comes to selling. Mm, yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for coming on, boys. Um, if you don't follow either of these two accounts, I definitely would. And, you know, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, give it a review. That really helps me quite a bit in terms of the rankings. If we can get, you know, the Football Index po- uh, podcast up there, then maybe a few people searching football alone will see it. Um, and, you know, if you're interested in some Football Index content, then head over to my YouTube channel and subscribe. So thanks for coming on, Ryan. You can sign yourself off. I'll see. All right, yeah. Cheers, guys. Take care. And yourself, DNA? Nice one. No worries, no worries. Thanks very much for coming on, boys. Uh, Really appreciate it. And, yeah, look forward to uploading this at some point next week. And, you know, hopefully you guys enjoyed listening.